and welcome to Positively Pro-Life podcast. Positively Pro-Life is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and aims to bring you inspirational stories and conversation, important legislative updates and informative interviews as we seek to restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm your host, Ramal Tenney, the Education Director at the Federation, and here to co-host with me is Maria Gallagher, our Legislative Director. Welcome, Maria. It's great to be with you today, Remmel. You know, Maria, ever since Dobbs dropped, we've seen a lot of pro-life victories, as well as some defeats across the United States. There are so many factors that led to each, and while we cannot fully discuss them in a short time, we thought we'd get a little bird's eye view of the life issue nationally since the reversal of Roe. And who better to go to than the National Right to Life Committee? So stay tuned for our interview with Carol Tobias, the president of NRLC, coming up right after Maria's update and a short inspiration from me. And Remo, I have to point out the fact that I selected this update before I knew who our guest was going to be. The following okay. is a portion of a post-election message from Carol Tobias of National Right to Life. It is entitled, Our Work is Not Finished. She talks about the fact that uh, we had victories in Mississippi, but we also had defeats. And she says, the ones who will suffer the most will be women and their precious unborn babies, but we will figure out what can be done differently as we face similar challenges next year. We will look for ways to protect innocent human life in states where laws promote death over life. What we will not do is give up. We will continue to fight for life together. We have faced difficult times before. We made it through eight years of a Clinton administration and eight years of the Obama administration. And we're still here through the anti-life Biden administration. Too many hearts are hardened, and this world can be a callous place. Our efforts to shine God's light and share his love are needed now more than ever. We will continue to do what we can with your help to bring about a society in which every unborn child is protected in law and welcomed in life. Remmel. Wow, those are beautiful, encouraging words. And I think our listeners got a sneak peek into the heart of the woman that we are interviewing today. But before we go into that, um, just want to share, um, there were so many beautiful pro-life stories that I read and heard about this past week. But I thought I'd just share about an old friend of mine. Um, I cannot name her, but she's in her 30s. And earlier this year in June, um, she found out that she has brain tumor when she was six months pregnant with her fifth baby. Following this diagnosis, um, everyone in her family, especially her parents, they strongly urged her and her husband to abort the baby so she can start the treatment that she needs. Um, and from what I know, uh, there was unrelenting pressure from her parents and those that were very close to her, understandably because they were scared at the thought of losing their daughter and the mother of four little children. Um, but my friend and her husband, they're both pro-lifers. And despite all the pressure, she and her husband chose to continue with the pregnancy. And they delivered a beautiful baby girl in September. And she had a surgery from the tumor a few weeks ago. 
Um, the sad news is the cancer in her body is aggressive and they're still pursuing treatment and still in the middle of the fight. But I thought I would share her story with you to honor her selflessness and her courage in the midst of this trial. She definitely had a choice when it came to saving her own life, but she chose life for her child first. And uh, I think the world needs to hear these stories of, of mothers, uh, for mother's love that is willing to make the ultimate sacrifice of life for their children, of women hidden among us whose stories much of the media will not pick up to show the humanity of the unborn or the fact that there is always another choice other than abortion. Pro-life laws always permit early delivery of the baby in order to, to save the life of the mother, and there is a real chance that both mother and baby can be saved if the baby's over 24 weeks. Now, she chose life for her baby, and as she's still fighting for her own, I'd just like to ask our listeners, if you are a praying individual, please keep her and her family in prayers. They could really use it at this time. And uh, with that, I want to move on to our guest. Our guest is Carol Tobias, the president of the National Right to Life Committee. And founded in 1968, National Right to Life is the nation's oldest and largest pro-life organization. NRLC is the federation of 50 state right to life affiliates and more than 3,000 local chapters. Through education and legislation, National Right to Life is working to restore legal protection to the most defenseless members of our society who are threatened by abortion, infanticide, assisted suicide, and euthanasia. In fact, the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the official state affiliate of NRLC. Carol Tobias has previously served as the NRLC Board of Directors and as NRLC Political Director, a position she held until 2005. During her tenure as political director, pro-life majorities were elected to both the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. She also oversaw the efforts of NRLC's Political Action Committee on behalf of George W. Bush during his term as president. So welcome, Carol, to Positively Pro-Life. We're so excited to have you. Thank you, Remel and Maria. It's great to be on with you. Uh, my first question, how are things at the headquarters? Everything is going really well. Uh, we have been able to hire a few more people. Uh, so we've got some that are focused entirely on you know, messaging and fundraising. Uh, we have had fantastic meetings with our state leaders around the country. Uh, we get together with our executive directors and our directors and uh, just discuss things and plan things. Uh, so I'm just really excited because we've got a lot of energy and a lot of intelligence and motivation and determination. Um, so I, I think we've just got an absolutely amazing group. And we are so blessed to be able to work with all of our affiliates across the country, you know, especially those like Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Uh, it's just truly a blessing to have that kind of local input into what we're doing. And I, I think we could say that we are made for times such as these. So we just have to step up and do what, what we're called to do in terms of these challenges we face. But what do you think is the most challenging aspect of the pro-life fight right now? Well, the most challenging is that our opponents have money and they have the media. 
so they can get their message out. Uh, we have seen lie after lie after lie come out you know, among the abortion advocates, and it's repeated endlessly, and it gets to be you know, considered fact. Um, and, and it's just it's something that we have to really work harder at uh, to combat. We have to get our message out to combat the lies that, unfortunately, people around the country are hearing. And I know that Pennsylvania also, we suffered some of um, uh, the losses from some of the pro-life candidates that we recommended because we kept hearing lie after lie about them and about the position and the position of the opposition as well um, through our radio ads and billboards and, and a whole lot. So um, how can pro-lifers advocate more boldly in this current political and legal landscape? We have to be very strategic. We have to realize that there are a lot of people in this country that don't agree with our position. Um, I know many in the pro-life movement have a uh, religious background or a Christian faith, certainly not all of them. And we welcome anyone, regardless of their political or religious views, you know, to join with us. If they want to protect unborn babies and help take care of the moms in any way that we can, um, they they are an ally. But I think what we are facing is that, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, a lot of people in this country went to church and identified themselves as Christian. We have lost that. There are fewer people sitting in the pews, fewer people who care about the sanctity of human life. So we do have to be aware of that when we are looking at our messaging you know, we can say, this is what God wants us to do. God wants to protect babies. That's falling on deaf ears and maybe even, you know, sending people in the other direction because they don't want to get religious. Uh, so we have to be very smart in what we say and how we say it. We have to work with our candidates to give them the words to reach out to those people. Um, you know, obviously we care about the moms, but people don't realize that. We need to focus more on how we are helping them, how we can help them, uh, and certainly not let the baby get lost in the debate uh, because every abortion kills an innocent human being. So I think there are a lot of different avenues that we can take in reaching different people based on their preferences, their perceptions, uh, and what they need to hear. Carol, what are some victories that we've had since Dobbs? I would say the biggest one was uh, getting control of the United States House of Representatives back into the hands of Republicans, which in Congress, you know, overwhelming majority are pro-life. Uh, there's maybe a handful of Republicans in the House that don't want to vote on everything that we think they should be doing when it comes to life. Um, but being able to stop Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer from getting anything to the president's desk um, was huge. We also had some big successes when it comes to Senate races. You know, we picked up Ohio, um, Ohio um, J.D. Vance is a great senator. And Ron DeSantis and Mike DeWine in Florida and Ohio were successful, hugely successful in getting reelected as governor. We defeated a pro-abortion governor in uh, Nevada electing a pro-life governor. So we have had some uh, good election successes in the last year. They kind of get drowned out by uh, the ballot measures that are happening. Um, but it's it's certainly not a lost cause for us or for Republican, pro-life Republican candidates. 
a lot of people are portraying abortion as the losing strategy for Republicans, but but we have seen some major victories from of people who have very boldly stood up for the for life. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what 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 would you like to say about the recent elections that uh, that took place? Well, they've been disappointing. Um, yeah, I think we're all at least I'm referring or thinking of the ballot measures that have been in several of the states now since Dobbs. It's I shouldn't say it's not a surprise. Um, I was certainly hoping that we would do better in some of the states. Uh, but what we have found is that for uh, many people in the country, especially a lot of the women in the country, they grew up believing that the right to abortion, the right to kill their unborn child, to determine what happens to their body with their body, as as they would say, was a right that they took for granted. And we are thinking of the Dobbs decision as being a fantastic success because now we don't have a federal court system saying that you have to give people the right to get an abortion. But many people are now looking at that saying, I lost a right. The Supreme Court took away one of my rights, and I want it back. So there is some determination uh, coming from our opponents that, you know, they think abortion is a right. And we need to um, talk to them about the radicalness of that position. And pro-lifers may have to realize, we, we do have to realize, we're not going to be able to save every baby through the law. We may have to allow some exceptions to the law. We may have to allow abortion in some difficult circumstances. That doesn't mean that we are devaluing the life of those children. It does mean that we are trying to reach women where they are. We want to work with them to find other solutions other than killing their baby. Um, So I think we just have to look at every situation separately, look at every state individually, Uh, as to what they can accomplish in their state to use the law to protect as many babies as possible, but then find other ways to save those babies um, that that doesn't involve the law. It just involves us working directly with women to change hearts and minds. I know that in Pennsylvania, in the recent election, there were these campaign ads that were aired um, that were very misleading about the goals legislatively of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, for instance. Um, They neglected to mention things like, we support the Hyde Amendment, which bars taxpayer funding of abortion, except in the cases of rape, incest, life of the mother. And the Hyde Amendment has saved an estimated 2.5 million lives. And I think that it's important for people to recognize the fact that also our Pennsylvania Abortion Control Act has always had an exception for life of the mother and uh, irreparable harm to a major bodily function of a mother. And and that has been the law. And, And we have not said we want to repeal that law at all. I mean, we'd like to see greater protections of course, for pregnant women and their babies, but the narrative that is being put out by the other side is just flat wrong. And we need to combat that as much as we can. 
You're right. We we do. Um, a lot of states have laws that would, you know, like the fantastic program in Pennsylvania, alternatives to abortion to help women, uh, informed consent laws that would say, you know, the woman has to be told what the possible complications are or if there are alternatives available before she goes through with you know, a decision that is life or death for her child. Uh, we don't want everybody's tax dollars to be paying for abortion. These are things that most people do agree with, but what they are facing when it comes to the ballot measures is they're being told that the option is either allow every abortion or allow no abortions. And quite frankly, there are a lot of people, even that would call themselves pro-life, would say, I don't like abortion, but if my daughter is raped, I want her to have that option. If my sister is going to die or be seriously hurt by carrying through with her pregnancy, I want her to have that option. We have to make sure people realize that there are going to be options and we want to help them out in any way that we can. But right now, the people, the voters are being given an all or nothing option. And that's where, um, quite frankly, we're losing because we've got too many people that don't want all or nothing. And what do you think is the best strategy for pro-lifers moving forward? We need to be more vocal. Um, We need to reach young people. The college students are killing us when it comes to these ballot measures because they come out in force to vote, to change the laws, to allow for no limits whatsoever on abortion. We need to get to the college students and the young people. Um, I know there's a lot of disagreement over something like TikTok, but that's where the kids are. And if we wanna reach them, we're gonna have to make sure that they are hearing not just the pro-abortion stories, but the pro-life stories. We need to make sure that people understand what the pregnancy centers do and how amazing they are and the kind of help that they do uh, support. What concerns me is that we are getting to a point where it's not just abortion as a choice. It's almost getting to be coercive. The abortion advocates want to get rid of pregnancy centers. They want to put them out of business, whether that is through lawsuits or by telling Google not to put pregnancy centers in any of their search, it's Google and all the search engines, uh, to not to allow pregnancy centers to come up when women are looking for pregnancy help. We've got people in this country, pro-abortion advocates, mostly Democrats, trying to uh, eliminate abortion pill reversal. If a woman takes that first abortion pill and then she changes her mind and she wants to save her baby, there's an option that is available. She can maybe, you know, get treatment and save her baby. Abortion advocates don't want her to have that option. They want to get rid of abortion pill reversal. They want to get rid of pregnancy centers. They don't even want pregnancy centers to be able to advertise. That's what concerns me, is that we are almost headed down a path where only abortion is allowed. That's not giving women options or choices. That's that's forced abortion. And, and that's that's actually kind of scary. And we need to be speaking out against that more. That's right. A choice is not a choice if you can freely choose this or that. Um, so coercion is definitely at play here. But what is your hope for the pro-life movement going forward? I would hope that all of our active 
people, volunteers, supporters, don't get discouraged. You know, the last couple of months have been rough because of the ballot measures. Uh, we've got more that are going to be coming up next year. Um, we've got elections coming up. We, you know, there's a lot to do, but we can't get discouraged because every baby that we save is important, and that makes our job worthwhile. So, uh, don't give up the fight. Um, actually, for the coming year, it's going to be tough. We've got some big elections. I would encourage people to look at their schedules and try to figure out what isn't as important this year that I can put it aside, I can put it off so that I can focus on pro-life activities and working with my local right to life group to make sure that we are as effective as we possibly can in getting out every pro-life voter, in reaching every woman who needs help. Um, you know, just we've got to focus on this year as being so critical that we need to put aside our our discouragement and um, remember the hope and joy of life that is within us and do what we can to um, impact everything that happens in 2024. Carol, where were you and what were your thoughts when you heard the news that Roe had finally been overturned? I was actually at the National Right to Life Convention in Atlanta, Georgia. I think I was doing an interview with a reporter, so I didn't hear the news as soon as it happened. We were having a general session at that time, and someone came into the room, apparently, and said, the court has overturned Roe, or you know, Roe is gone, or whatever the, the announcement was. I actually missed that big moment, but I was in at the National Convention with pro-lifers from all over the country. So we were celebrating, of course, you know, that's a huge victory. We'd been working for that for 50 years, but it was also very, it was wonderful, but not surprising because as soon as everyone kind of let that euphoria come over them and there were a lot of tears of joy being shed, people sat back down, got back with the general session. Following that, they continued to go to workshops because everyone knew that our work had just gotten 50 times harder because now we had 50 state battlegrounds that we really had to fight to either change or protect um, the laws that were there. So it was, it was just an amazing day. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I missed that entire bit. I'm, I'm more of a post dogs person. <laughs> I came into the pro-life fight after that. Uh, so well, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, and uh, but I just love hearing these stories of how pro-lifers were together when the ruling happened, and just just the the beauty of that. Um, I, I can't stop hearing listening to these stories. Uh, can you share us um, maybe one of your favorite pro-life success stories? Um, I don't know. There, there are several that kind of come to mind. And I think I would say that for me, politics is what got me into the movement. I love the whole campaigning and candidates and elections and and all of that. Um, so, you know, my first year as political director at National Right to Life, um, I'm sorry, not my first year, but early on uh, when I was there at National Right to Life, uh, George W. Bush won an election by you know, a couple hundred votes in Florida. You know, that battle of counting the ballots took two or three, you know, 
weeks, a month. I don't even remember. It just seemed like it was a lifetime. Uh, And knowing that it was just a few hundred votes in Florida that made the difference made me realize how critical it is that we get involved in all of these elections. So um, that's not necessarily a personal story, but I think that just reinforced for me how important it is to make sure that we are doing everything we can and we just don't take anything for granted. And um, we've got about three minutes left. And I, I want to go back to um, the statement that you had put out right after the election. You know, a lot of people may have short memories or they may not have even been around for the other defeats that the pro-life movement suffered. I mean, I, you know, back in uh, the day, I I was not a pro-life advocate at one point. And um, It was the partial birth abortion issue that really made me stop and think and realize that I needed to be pro-life and I needed to be actively pro-life. And a lot of people may not realize the the tremendous setback of the Obama years, but, you know, we we came off those and and we have had tremendous victories, not just the overturn of Roe versus Wade, but the whole idea of abortion pill reversal. I mean, that was a pipe dream in, in the old days, right? That you could actually stop an abortion once it started. And yet we have that now. And I wonder if you can just comment in the two minutes we have left about um, the fact that um, we we may face setbacks, but in the end, we can achieve victory. Oh, we absolutely can. Um, there have been, I don't know how many court cases on abortion over the last 50 years. And everything that would go before the court, they'd say, this is it, this could do it. And then they would come down and, you know, sometimes they upheld our laws, you know, tax funding of abortion, informed consent, parents being involved. Um, But there were enough setbacks that we were, you know, everyone was like, nope, Roe stands, Roe stands. Maybe they changed it, but Roe stands. You know, so you always have this kind of excitement about the court's gonna hear a case, are they gonna rule our way? Um, that, you know, usually didn't happen until we got to to Dobbs. Uh, But we have to just be prepared. We've had our ups and downs. And I think that's what has made the pro-life movement so strong and steadfast. If we had won everything and then, you know, had a setback, we might not have been able to handle it. But we've had enough ups and downs that we just kind of have to roll with it. We know what we d- we're doing. We know why we're doing it. We know that every life is precious and, you know, we want to save them. Um, the abortion pill itself is going to make a big difference because if women can now start getting the pill mailed into their homes, we aren't going to know how many babies have been killed. So we need to be focusing on how do we reach those women to encourage them not to even ask for the pill. And Uh, we're going to leave it right there. Thank you so much for joining us today. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life. 